This was the party, the body party. She won the tennis and now she's through. Australia loves Ash and we will miss you. One of the greats, Ash Barty steps away. Sporting Woods episode 167 lead story. Of course it happened about four hours after we had released our episode last week. Ash Barty has stood down from tennis, retiring uh, on top, goes out a winner, rides uh, into the sunset, an Australian Open champion. Um, $30 million worth of prize money uh, on top of that endorsements, left, right, and center. A fabulous career. Um, one of the all-time great Australian athletes, one of the all-time great Australians. Um, she will be dearly missed uh, in Australian sport. Um, but as she put it herself, I think um, she said it best. She had achieved everything she wanted to achieve in the sport, um, particularly after that Wimbledon victory. Um, that was that to her was her pinnacle, and then obviously coming home and winning that uh, Australian Open earlier in the year was a massive. Uh, deal for her and kind of closed that sort of chapter in her life, uh, for use of a better phrase. Um, going out on top, interesting decision when there was, a, you know, a lot of money to be made. But um, again, she said she didn't want her team going around um, when, you know, and making all the sacrifices that they have to make uh, just for her when her head's not fully in it and she believes she's reached the pinnacle of the sport and there's nothing else to achieve. Um, a fantastic career, uh, not without its ups and downs, of course, but a dominant display over the last three years um, to be the out-and-out out number one female tennis player. Um, congratulations on a great career. I will bring up this point. Generate a lot of water-cooler discussions um throughout the week in various uh, parts of my life and people conversing about, oh, you know, what's she going to do next? And, of course, a lot of the online sports betting companies were having markets on the sport that she would choose next. Um, you know, Rugby League, AFL, she's a big AFL fan, big Rugby League fan. Uh, she's obviously played cricket before. She's very good at golf. Um, so everyone was talking about what's her next move. Well, how about her next move is to just relax? I, I think we can all agree that she deserves a break at the very least and and can do whatever she wants with her life. Uh, if that means playing sport at an amateur or professional level, another sport, uh, so be it. If that means stepping away and, and literally riding into the sunset, you've made generational wealth out of a very short career and you've got the rest of your life to do whatever you want, um, I don't think she should necessarily be punished for that. I don't think anyone's punishing her, but just the immediate thought of, well, what's she going to do next um, before she'd even made the official announcement, I think was a little bit harsh. Um, but I think it also goes to show that, you know, how much everyone loves her and, and wishes her the best and just wants um, to see her shine because she is she is a great ambassador for the country and, and all of that sort of gear as well and, and encapsulated the hearts of Australians, particularly after such a tumultuous lead into the Australian Open with uh, 2022. I mean, are we just going to crown? We may as well just crown it. Uh, flog of the year, Novak Djokovic, uh, two-time Sweezy's flog of the year. I think it's going to be very hard to be beat uh, this year. Um, so, yeah, Ash Barty, congratulations on a great career. Uh, we wish you all the best in the next chapter, whatever that may be. Um, and hopefully we'll see her again at some point soon. Um, and I hope they build a statue. I, I, I mean, she's turned it down, but fuck, fuck, just build a fucking statue for the cat. I mean, like she does, she deserves it out of anyone. So, um, hopefully that, hopefully, you know, cooler heads prevail there. And once the dust settles and she can accept it and, you know, with gratitude and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, build her a statue. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, let's get into the episode. It's episode 167 of Sporting Woods. Obviously, it's Tim here, uh, minus all the production of the Boothio. 
uh, Michael and Luke are doing a interstate tour to spread the good news or the good word, I should say, that is lifeblood.com.au. Guys, uh, we've been making jokes about it, but it is a serious um, shortage at the moment. Um, blood stocks are low. Can you please, um, if you're willing and able, consider heading to lifeblood.com.au, um, take the bloody oath, um, fill out the questionnaire, book an appointment. I guarantee you it's the easiest thing you do. You get a sausage roll at the end and uh, you are contributing to the greater community by saving lives. One in three people will require a blood transfusion uh, throughout their life and less than one in 30 Australians donate. So um, any donation would be fantastic. Head to lifeblood.com.au and take the bloody oath today. All right. Um, Good, bad and the ugly. Sponsored, of course, by Simulated Online Cricket Cup. That's us as well. Head over to Sporting... No, don't head over to Sporting Woods. Head over to Simulated Online Cricket Cup on YouTube. Subscribe. Um, season four, there's talks of, um, talks, of, you know, and negotiations are underway into the start of sock season four. Um, so, um, but that doesn't mean you can't check out all the highlights. Um, you know, we've got some 10, 15 minute KO mini style episodes. Um, give it a go. It is hilarious. Um, we all obviously had the podcast audio versions. You can go back and listen to those as well if you like. Um, really proud of it. I uh, hope you guys can get around it as well. All right. So the good is Souths, uh, with their victory over the Roosters on Friday night. Um, very good considering the performances of both South and the Roosters leading up to that game. Obviously, it's a rivalry game. Um, we had three rivalry games um, over the weekend, which was, which was good. A um, bit of extra spark in the air, and I'll talk a little bit about another one later on. Um, but I don't know. Did, did we see this coming? I mean, surely, surely South couldn't play as bad as they have over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and did they need that extra kicker of it being the Roosters to really spark into form? Obviously, Latrell Mitchell coming back uh, from his suspension certainly helped. Got another week under the um, in the legs, I should say. Um, you could tell for 65 minutes of that game against the Storm, round two, they were completely shot. And then all of a sudden, it's something clicked, and they've taken that momentum in while they didn't win against Melbourne. Take the momentum into um, Friday night's game. And to be quite honest, dominated the Roosters pretty much from start to finish. I don't think it was close in the end. The, the score didn't do the uh, actual game justice. I thought South dominated from start to finish. Um, I think the turning point, and we spoke a little bit about this earlier in the season, is you know can you pinpoint certain moments in the game where... Um, you know, momentum changes or that's the moment. There Again, there are a couple this week, which we won't hop on about too much, but uh, the James Tedesco pass to Billy Smith um, taking a 20-meter restart that got put down and then uh, Cam Murray goes down and scores. Uh, that, that pretty much summed up the night. Roosters uh, couldn't get anything going, and when they did, they stuffed it up, and South took every available opportunity given to them. And that's what happens in rugby league. There are going to be days where you're just slightly off, and that is the difference between winning and losing big. So um, for South, I think they can take a lot of confidence out of that game. Um, But for the Roosters, I don't don't know. We'll talk a little bit about more uh, about the overreactions um, in our next segment. But I think the Roosters will be okay, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. As for the bad, uh, I mean, it's got to be the Queensland Derby hiding recipients, the Brisbane Broncos. Oh, um, was lucky enough to go along to a listener party at Suncorp Stadium with the boys from Imagine Brewing. Shout out. Um, really great atmosphere. I said we went to the first home game against South and on a Friday night. That was, that was really good too. It was quite electric. Um, just, Lacked that Adam Reynolds um, aspect to it. You know, obviously he was out um, injured slash COVID slash injured slash hadn't had a preseason. Uh, the I got there pretty early. I got there maybe like 
15 minutes before kickoff, sat in my seat and they did the uh, team announcement. The roar from Adam Reynolds was like what it would have been for like Darren Lockyer and some of the all-time greats. Like the the hype around him is real. Um, the The fanatics and the assumption that he's going to be the savior uh, was very evident um, early on in that game and even before the game started when his name got announced over the um, PA system when they do their um, player introductions and then you know the game was highly entertaining don't get me wrong there was there was a lot of stuff and I don't I don't know someone pointed out to me that the majority of the Cowboys tries were off kicks. And in this day and age, you know, tries off kicks are always looked down upon and being like, Oh, it's just a shit player or a luck player or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's effort about guys getting good under the ball, uh, under the high ball and um, players running back to support and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's not just a, I don't think you can really use tries off kicks as like not really counting, um, obviously they go on the scoreboard, but yeah, there's just this perception that tries off kicks are like super lucky compared to non tries off kicks. I don't understand that, but anyway, um, once the Cowboys got on top, there was no coming back for, for the Broncos. Payne Haas was a bit pedestrian in the middle of the game. The, the Cowboys just dominated the middle. Patrick Carrigan was a bit off. Like, again, the Broncos were off slightly and were just made to pay, and the Cowboys just took full advantage, left, right, and center. I thought Katoni Staggs versus Val Holmes. I thought that matchup was going to be really interesting, and Holmes just dominated. Um, that that combination of Cobbo and, and Staggs looks so promising, but they certainly got found out um, on Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that Adam Reynolds is brought to the club for his kicking and his poise and composure and, you know, all of this sort of stuff, it's going to mean absolutely nothing if they can't rustle back some momentum. We've seen this time and time again over the last two years with the Broncos that any time they have to show a little bit of resilience, they completely crumble. Uh, last week against the Bulldogs was certainly a step up, step in the right direction. Um, but you know you got to you got to show up. You got a seven day turnaround against your, your arch rivals in a derby, forty close to forty thousand on a Sunday afternoon at Suncorp Stadium. Like it, I, I just think the fans deserve better. The team just didn't show up and got absolutely pantsed in the middle um, by the Cowboys. So. Uh, the savior of Adam Reynolds and Kevy taking this team to the top eight after a promising start uh, came crashing right down uh, by five o'clock Friday uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, all right, so there the, that's the bad. Let's get into the ugly. I mean, no surprises here. Welfare check nomination of the year. Uh, Mitch Barnett uh, just came through prior to recording six weeks suspension. Um, is it just, I don't know. I think the argument was, he was the argument that he was trying to make, and Paul Kent was doing this on NL360, and I think he was just doing it deliberately to just get some jabs from everyone else, but he what, he didn't deliberately try and elbow the guy. Now, that seems ridiculous because everyone saw him deliberately elbow the guy, but it was more the the defense that they were using was he was trying to push him away so he could cover in um, in the defensive line. Well, yeah, that that's all well and good, but I, I haven't seen too many guys cover, you know, push a guy out of the way leading with uh, an elbow to the jaw. So I, I don't know if I buy that argument. I get what they're trying to say. I understand what the what he was trying to do but jesus christ um six weeks i don't know this a lot of people got a lot of people bought bought up the danny williams uh incident uh from 2004 uh the um clinton newton on ashton sims jesus christ i mean that's just elbow straight to the head deliberate uh that's one of the all-time worst things you've ever seen on a football field. Uh, so go back and search Clint Newton versus Ashton Sims elbow to the head. Um, 
we, we saw Matt Pryor do one to JT. I think there was another one like that as well. Um, six weeks. I don't know. I thought, I thought they really could have made a example, but he got sent off during the game as well. They lost, um, six. Yeah. I'm okay with six. I think I would have rather, you know, eight, but immediately I said eight to 12 weeks straight up while watching that live, I just couldn't believe what I saw. Like in 2022, where there's so many cameras and things like that, it's just impossible to get away with that anymore. Um, you would have seen it dozens of times, you know, prior to the explosion of all the cameras and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but that was rugby league. And uh, nowadays, uh, you just can't get away with that stuff. And that's just rubbish that doesn't deserve to be in the game. And uh, could potentially cost this Newcastle team uh, some wins moving forward because he is an important piece to that squad. Obviously, Pong has been out with injury and all that sort of gear. Um, but, you know, they really need some stability in that middle. And Barnett was, has been very good for them over the last couple of years. So six weeks, that's a hell of a long time to be out. Um, but, gee, oh, I'm a bit surprised it's that short. I thought it might have been... 8 to 12. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. Uh, the as, as all football players would say, full credit to the boys, Mitch Barnett, six weeks, see you later, champion. All right, let's get into a segment here I want to call early overreactions. So we're three weeks in and... There's a couple of teams I want to highlight, and basically they were the the teams that were talked about most to make the finals and and just kind of take stock about where they are. Um, are they contenders, pretenders? Are they in between? All of that sort of stuff. So I've broken um, a couple of these teams down. I haven't gone through all of them because we'd be here all day, but just some noteworthy ones I think that's important to to bring up. So the first two teams I've got in the on the way up uh, category, I suppose. So for me, they're the Sharks and Newcastle. Um, Both off to really decent starts. Newcastle obviously dropped that game against Penrith, but Jesus Christ, when they played with 12, they looked pretty damn good. Penrith couldn't put them away. Obviously, they're missing Cleary um, in that game who probably would have iced it and, uh, you know, put put a couple more tries on um, Toto out as well. But um, that left edge from the Panthers looked pretty dangerous. Uh, yeah, but, but Newcastle hang with, uh, hung with them for quite a while. So I think they'd be pretty happy with the effort there. Um, no points for moral victories, of course, but I think they can hold their head high with the effort that they put in. Uh, with Cronulla, a uh, great win um, in, the, in their local derby against uh, the Dragons. On Thursday night, I think in the in the wet, Nico Hines is, is revelation. Everyone knew he was good, but was it the Melbourne of it all? Uh, a la Adam Blair, um, insert Melbourne player who hasn't gone on to better things at the new club here. But he seems to be bucking the trend. I think also he's very young, um, and he hasn't. He hasn't played halfback at an NRL level, despite the fact he is a halfback. So I think he's just finding his feet there um, while still being an important piece. Matt Matt Moylan, uh, welcome back to Rugby League. Feels like he's been gone for 15 years, um, playing some really good footy as well. So some good pieces around there. Um, I should be excited in Sharks uh, country there. Um, I want to point out the next five weeks for these teams as well, because I think it's important that, you know, the draw does play a part, obviously, and it's only been three weeks and things could be skewed. But I think Newcastle and Cronulla have a chance here to really uh, stake some claims and, and potentially go on with things. So interestingly enough, these two teams play each other this week. So this would be a huge game. Um, for them, both would be eyeing this off as two teams that are, you know, on the precipice of, of that top four conversation, uh, want to stake their claim as genuine contenders in this competition. Uh, this is a must win game if you want to be in that sort of conversation. So the Sharks go Newcastle and then they play the Tigers, Storm, Manly and the Broncos. Um, so you'd think they'd only go as underdogs against the Storm. 
So he very easily could go uh, four and one in the next five games and essentially assert themselves in the top four, uh, make it very hard for them to miss the top eight at that rate. Um, whereas Newcastle, they obviously play the Sharks, Manly, Dragons, Eels, and Storm. So with Barnett out and the uncertainty of Ponga, if they can jag three wins, two losses, I think they'd take that um, right now. Um, potentially even get Parramatta or Melbourne. Who knows what's happening there? Again, a lot of people bet on this team to win the wooden spoon. Uh, again, in the last two weeks, all the online sports betting companies were talking about they've received the most money um, in the lead up to the season for Newcastle to win the wooden spoon. And I get it. I think Clifford and and Clune have been better than advertised. And um, I've always rated Clifford, and he's been freed up. He's not the the point guard per se. You've got Clune, who's a good um, you know field general, uh, for use of a better phrase, um, who can steer them around the park. There's less pressure on Clifford's kicking game, which I think he's always been a victim of. Um, teams have really targeted his kicking game. Clune's got a very solid kicking game, um, so the pressure's off Clifford there to just play a bit more expansive footy instead of being the the um you know field general and and the organizer and all that sort of stuff so good little combination there um hopefully the uh, suspension of barnett um isn't too detrimental to their team's chances in the next sort of two months um so they're the teams that are on the way up Two teams I've got pinned for on the way down or trending down, uh, no surprise, Manly and Gold Coast. Now, how many times have we spoken about this on this podcast, that Manly are a one-man team, they are a 40-point better team with Tommy Turbo than they are without it, and they can barely score tries because teams have figured this out. Go back and watch the first three games, particularly the Penrith game. They, they just flew cats at him. They just said, we don't care. Just just run at him uh, and try and tackle him. Like They were just coming off the wing 40 meters. Like It just didn't matter. Um, that That's going to be the tactic moving forward. It's up to Manly, who have traditionally played a very structured style of football under Des Hasler, to try and combat that. And I don't think they have it. Kieran Foran, while he's been healthy the last, what, 15 months, um, has he really got that the ability to be a game breaker? Of course, Daly Cherry Evans um, is there in the incumbent Australian and Queensland halfback, but it's oh god damn it! But it's always got to come back on them. It's it's got to come back on someone else because they can just target these guys. And even the Bulldogs were able to do that to an extent. Manly were lucky to get a victory um, against the Dogs. Obviously, the weather played a part in that game on Sunday night. But still, if you're fair dinkum, um, from a manly perspective, you've got to, you've got to put a number on those guys. Um, so we look at the next five weeks for manly. They've got Canberra, Newcastle, Gold Coast, Sharks, and South. Now that, that's fairly testing. I think all of those teams are going to be fairly competitive in and around each other. So could, they could go and win the next five. They could lose the next five. They could be somewhere in between. Uh, so this is this is a good little test for Manly, and, and not only that, a test for these other teams that I've mentioned to see will the tactics of you know crashing in on Turbo something absolutely ridiculous, unseen ever, um, going to sort of impact um, Manly's position on the ladder and and their potential rises rise as uh, premiership contenders. So. It's going to be a very interesting watch over the next month for um, Manly fans out there. As for the Gold Coast, um, I mean, they could be on top of the ladder. Straight, oh, come on. I'm doing this on my phone because the Boothio has been locked out. So we get all those ridiculous sounds. It's because of that. I apologize, listeners. And if you want to send your complaints, send them into sportingwoodspodcast at gmail.com. Right, so the Titans, I mean, they could be undefeated. Uh, that first round loss against Parramatta, I mean, again, we, they may as well not even played that game. And then they gave up a 22-point lead against Canberra. Now, and I want to just also sidetrack here. I'm not going to talk about the referees because there's too much going on. Uh, it's a one-man episode. I don't necessarily have Luke to feed off to start blowing up about stuff that he hasn't paid attention to. Um, yes, the refereeing was terrible um, across this week. In particular, this Canberra game, 
a lot of people pointing out the the final penalty that gave Canterbury um, Canberra the attempted penalty goal, which they got and won the game. It was very soft because it was a tackle on the ball and literally Mo Fodawaka just stood there and this guy just ran into him. There was no intent. There was no, you know, leaning in for a tackle or anything like that off the ball. It was just a collision and should never have been a penalty, uh, in my opinion. Um, but for you Gold Coast, all you one Gold Coast fan out there, uh, don't think that was the reason why you lost the game. How about giving up a 22 point lead? That, that's, you can't go all that way and then go, oh, right, it was a penalty in, in the last minute of the game that cost us. Well, how about not letting in 22 points before that? Uh, maybe that might have uh, helped you win the game. Um, so they've got a lot of, Things to deal with again. I've you know I feel like I repeat myself every week. The Gold Coast of that Newcastle of two or three years ago, where you know the, everyone they had all these big names and all that sort of stuff, and it took a while to gel together. And the Bulldogs are going to start finding that out too in the next couple of years. It just doesn't automatically click into gear. You got to find ways to win. You got to learn how to win. Um, so that's that's the challenge for the Gold Coast. And they've got some really interesting matchups coming up in the next five weeks as well. So they'll get the win against the Tigers on Thursday night. Then they play Parramatta again. A redemption story for them. Hopefully they can get some fans there and uh, maybe lock out uh, the Parramatta members as well. That would be good to see. Um, Manly Cowboys Penrith. Now, again, if they're fair dinkum, they have to win three out of those five. Uh, to, to sort of stay in the race. But I don't know, you just get the feeling with the Gold Coast, they could drop the Eels game, Manly get a go on a bit of a run. The Cowboys, they've been a revelation, um, despite their wins being against Canberra and, uh, Brisbane. Can they go on a run and, and sort of solidify their spot in the eight? You know, that may be a tough game in four weeks' time. And then, of course, Penrith, um, as they prime up, ready for, uh, to lose all their players for Origin as well. So, very trying uh, five weeks for them. If they somehow go one and four, uh, it could be panic stations there at Rabina. Um, next category is they are who we thought they were. What a shock. Penrith, undefeated. Uh, no Nathan Cleary, no Brian To'o, no uh, JFH. Doesn't matter. The train keeps rolling. Um, great depth out there um, at the foot of, foot of the mountains. Um, they just keep rolling. I think had a conversation with uh, Benny G saying how, if Penrith have got all these guys out and they're just rolling through in second gear, how's anyone supposed to beat them? Well, it's very hard to argue that point. So I think they've solidified their spot as uh, premiership contenders and what out and out standalone premiership contenders um, with their performances without Cleary. They've got South Bulldogs, Broncos, Canberra, Titans. So again, we could be looking at 8-0 to start the season and essentially guarantee them spots, uh, guarantee them a spot in the finals um, before Origin even rolls around. So um, yeah, I, I, they would be favourites in all five of those games. So um, yeah, 8-0. And the, the the train just keeps rolling for Penrith, an impeccable regular season record over the last three and a half years. Um, and the other team I've put in, they are who we thought they were, uh, the Melbourne Storm. Now, everyone would say, oh, they might be a little bit down and um, all of that. The game against the Tigers round one, they look very sloppy. Uh, again, without, let's say, Brandon Smith didn't play because he played two minutes. Harry Grant, Cam Munster, new players, absolute unknowns who have been given starting roles or significant roles. Um, and the class of Jerome Hughes and Ryan Pappenhausen, you know, Pappenhausen under an injury cloud to start the season. Um, was he ever 100% fit um, in the preseason? You know, the, the class just shone through um, against a side who doesn't know how to win. Uh, then they just, they come out of a cannon, Munster and uh, Harry Grant, uh, against the against South, and I think for the same reasons, you know, there's there's a lot of new people in that team and all that sort of stuff. They just took the foot off the throat a little bit, and and South clicked um, finally and scored some points and 
lucky to get away with a victory there. And then maybe the football gods were looking on them as a sort of a punishment because two of the arsiest tries from Parramatta you will ever see ever in the space of three minutes um, saw Parramatta steal one against Melbourne. So I don't think they would be too disappointed with where they are. Paramount do have the wood on them in the regular season, um, three in a row. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they are who we thought they were. They literally took, uh, two of the fucking arsiest tries by Ray Stone of all people, uh, to beat them. So the ball bounces one degree either side of him. We're not even having this conversation. So, um, I think Melbourne are going to be fine and, Let's have a listen at these five teams. Bulldogs, Raiders, Sharks, Warriors, Knights. Uh, not really instilling any fear into that draw there. So, again, they could go on a little bit of a run here. That Sharks game might be quite interesting. I can't, can't remember if that's at Shark Park or down in Melbourne, but that might be a game there that the Cronulla really circle um, to sort of see where they're at, they're at as a team. The final team I wanted to point out, um, because, um, the, again, the one rooster fan out there might be panicking and I just want to just talk them off a cliff. Don't panic, mate. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, have a listen to the next five weeks for your team. Cowboys, Broncos, Warriors, Dragons, Bulldogs. Uh, again, they could win all five of those games fairly easily without too many dramas and they're back in top four contention. So uh, don't go too crazy out there, Roosters fan. Um, you should be right. I, Sam Walker is the star. And all this conversation about tackling, go watch Benji Marshall 2003 through to 2006. Um, with all the shoulder injuries that he had, the he couldn't tackle. He was literally, they put him on wings. They put him at fullback, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, He's 19 for Christ's sake, and he's like 45 kilos ringing wet. Of course, teams are going to run at him. Uh, that's rugby league. But it's up to the Roosters to to protect him as well. Um, and if any team can protect a guy, um, you know, who's a bit vulnerable in the defensive line, it's going to be Trent Robinson and the and the Roosters. So don't go too crazy. These next five games you know, should all be victories for the Roosters and they're back on track and we're talking about them as um, premiership contenders once again. So don't go too crazy out there, Roosters fan. Um, I think you'll be right. I think they'll be fixturing in the eight come the back end of the season. All right. So that's my little early overreactions, underreactions, contenders, pretenders. They are who we thought they were. Um, on the take nomination comes from the Sporting Woods mailbag. Now, I must admit I have not read too much up on this, um, so I'm going to be trusting our mail mailbagger here. If you have any um, questions you need answered, suggestions for the podcast, new segments, um, nominations for existing segments like this one is, Flog of the Week, uh, anything for the American American and European correspondent, Sweezy's nominations, spicy matchups, anything. Send uh, those requests, those comments through to sportingwoodspodcast at gmail.com. You will get a shout out on the pod. Uh, we really want to increase our fan engagement. Um, so, yeah, send something through. If you've got a trick shot in cricket that you can think of, I don't, again, uh, I don't know if Michael understood the fact that you can't really do too many trick shots in cricket, but that's fine. A for effort. Um, send it through. Sportingwoodspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have one here from one of our favorite, our longstanding listeners, the original O, Dane O. Uh, he writes, Dear Sporting Woods, I would like to put forward a nomination for On the Take of the Year. Please read article below. Okay, yep, I'll talk about that. Surely this is the definition of a salary cap rort. Yours truly, Dane O. Hashtag up the dogs, hashtag dogs of war. Wow. The article that Dane O has uh, posted is basically a summary of another article written by the Sydney Morning Herald, I believe. Long story short... It appears that Melbourne Storm players will be allowed to invest in a Fox Sports-backed sports betting company. 
So we're obviously proud partners with online sports betting company um, in America. Uh, now that sports online sports betting is legal um, on your phones, it's just exploding. Uh, so a bit of stat chat uh, as I researched this little uh, nomination. Uh, in the last month, New York State alone invested $1.75 billion in uh, gambling. Um, that's how much the people of New York bet on legal gambling on their phones in a month. So extrapolate that across all platforms and uh, all states in America and 12 months in a year and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's astronomical. So everyone is trying to create online sports betting companies over there to get a slice of the p- slice of the pie. Um, and Fox, so um, Mr. Murdoch's obviously trying to get a piece as well. Um, they've had a fairly successful launch over there, and I think um, they want to bring it over here. Um, one of the board members, chairman, CEO, can't remember, of the Melbourne Storm is, is sort of chairing that um, uh, investment in Fox, you know, doing their sports betting uh, here in Australia. Um, I believe this person also has affiliations with Sportsbet or previous affiliations with Sportsbet and, and all of that sort of stuff and, and move them up the ladder to be number two um, behind the TAB. Why is this on the take? Well, why should players be allowed to invest in a company that uh, allows consumers to bet on them during games or on games that they're playing? I think we're we're crossing a very, very grey, undefined lie when we're allowing these guys to invest in in platforms that allow people to bet on them or against them. Um, it might be in a, quite an American thing because obviously, like, mate, seriously, on last week, I, I can't remember if it was the Friday night or the Saturday night game during the ads uh, at halftime, four of the six ads were sports betting companies. So one side of the argument is, well, it's it's just in our face, like, who who cares anymore, like, What's the point in trying to regulate it? The other side of it is they're trying to re-sign Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, and Harry Grant on massive contracts. And while they've got Pappenhausen and a couple others on big money, sure, they're going to lose the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi and a couple of others potentially to the Dolphins and whatever. But come on. like To me, this just sounds like they found a way to get around the cap where they can be, quote, investors in this company, where basically it's just going to be unsanctioned third-party deals is going to be their investment in the company to which they can be paid out at a later time. I mean, that is literally the definition of a salary cap wrought. Dane O, another reason why this is on the take is that this has been reported by the Sydney Morning Herald, which is owned by Channel 9. Uh, no rec- no mention of this in any of the Murdoch papers. Um, and also Melbourne Storm majority owner, Fox. Wow, what a shock um, that we're not hearing anything about, um, you know, Fox betting or whatever it's going to be called coming into fruition and Melbourne players having an opportunity to invest um, at the, you know, at the ground floor as a salary cap wrought. Of course, Fox, I'm going to report that. So, um, on the take for a couple of things now, I want to read a bit more into it. So there might be a bit of updates there, but the whole thing is just incredibly sus. And I will say this, if all three sign, um, you, no one will be able to tell me that they are not on the take. No one. I, I think, I think we're at that point. If they're, if they're going to be all over $1.2 million, which is what their market value would be if they were to go to other clubs legitimately. Um, yeah. I mean, that that's insane. Uh, I, I just don't think that that is plausible in today's salary cap environment. Um, but, you know, of course, they're owned by Fox and blah, blah, blah. They'll get a slap on the wrist and who cares? Which kind of leads me into my Novak Novak Djokovic Flog of the Week uh, update. Um, Last week, um, Flog of the Week nomination. We had plenty of flogs last week. Braith and Astor, um, 
for uh, for saying that the Tigers pay uh, too much money for um, stars that underachieve when they get there, despite the fact he is like the literal prime example of that um, at that club. He's got his head so much up his fucking ass. Um, this week on NRL 360, groveling to the Tigers saying, oh, you got to feel sorry for Madge and oh, you got to feel sorry for Tigers fans and blah, 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 this and that. I mean, come on. He's just copped an absolute battering on the socials during the week and he's just trying to make amends so that people don't keep just heaping on him and he's trying to just make some peace with Tigers fans. Like, come on, we're not idiots. The other point I want to make, and this is, again, another flog nomination, and on the take, and we again, we've spoken about this a fair bit over the, over the last few years, he's, he's having open discussions about Cam Munster's contract negotiations with the Melbourne Storm on a public forum. I just don't think that someone who's given this power, like Brayton Nasser, as the host of the number one footy show, um... In Australia, to just like shirt front the Melbourne Storm because obviously they've they've um, offered a lower contract given his indiscretions and you know all of that and you pay the hometown discount we're looking after you so you can look after us and Brace just coming out and basically saying we're we're not having any of that and like it's a contract negotiation during the television show like that's what that's what's happening here like I just don't understand how we all just sit back and think, oh, yeah, this is fine. The player agent is hosting a show that has so much influence on on what the everyday consumer sees and has opinions of. Uh, I just It just doesn't sit right with me, and it goes back to the whole point. If you have people that are involved in player or financial aspects of, of a certain club or clubs... They shouldn't be allowed to be on these shows as hosts and as, as quote, experts. If you want them as guests, that's totally fine because, you know, you're allowed to have guests and do all that sort of stuff. But you can't have these guys driving agendas because they're essentially doing contract deals and board negotiations in a public forum to twist people's opinions and agendas to fit theirs. I think it's very dangerous and I think it's something that we need to wise up to as a fan base of Rugby League. Um, Hopefully Captain Rugby League, uh, if you're listening, um, have a think about it because, yeah, I just don't know. I, I really think it is just sus beyond belief and no one's really talking about it. That, that's that's what's worrying me the most. All right. Let's get into, um, by popular demand, we will forego um, our American correspondent and European correspondent. Um, but we do have a Limptic Team of the Week nomination courtesy of the European correspondent. Um, I mean, you could have given it to the Tigers. I mean, goodness gracious. The look on Madge's face after, as full time went looked like a bloke who knew he was going to get sacked that night. I, I, I said it to everyone. I said, Madge is getting sacked tonight. Did he deserve it? No. Or, and whatever, whatever your opinion is of Madge, the look on his face of just pure disgust, despair, defeat was just like, I know I've lost my job here and now. Um, I'm very surprised that he kept his job. I want him to keep the job. I'm pro Madge. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the, the portal, you know, crumble to pressure and blah, blah, blah. And Sheens gets his own guy in and all that sort of gear. Anyway, I've digressed. The Olympic team of the week. It's got to be the Italians for missing the World Cup to our friends previously mentioned North Macedonia. Um, they've popped up again. Um, Italy being eliminated by North Macedonia of all countries um, to miss their second consecutive World Cup. And this is despite the fact they won the European Championships last year. Um, on that run, you know, they stopped England in the final with the penalty shootout. How do you go from winning the Euros to not making the World Cup in nine months? But I'm... Beyond baffling, the limpest of all dicks. How is Italy missing a World Cup full stop? Um, Not much can be said about the Australians. We're going to have to do it the hard way as well with some qualifier, extra qualifiers, I think. But um, yeah, Jesus Christ, Italy, absolute scenes. 
uh, missing consecutive World Cups. So they'll be sitting at home while the rest of the nations are off to Qatar in one of the all-time on-the-take um, sporting events in history. A little bit of on-the-take, a little bit of what the fuck are we doing, money rules everything. Uh, the Saudi Grand Prix, courtesy of our Middle Eastern correspondent, Saudi Grand Prix goes ahead despite a missile attack 12 kilometers away from the fucking event. And everyone's just like, oh, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, like, they're, they're throwing missiles. I don't even know who it was. I just saw the headline and was like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? And they were like, oh, if there's no if there's no immediate threat, we'll continue with the race. Well, how about a fucking missile 12 kilometers away from the fucking track? Is that not a fucking threat? Have I lost the plot? No, it's the children that are wrong. Um, but, of course, money wins over. They have to run it, of course. And uh, Daniel Ricciardo fucks up again. He His nightmare continues. Um, Verstappen gets the victory there. Mercedes not looking good to start the year, I think. Don't hold me to that. All right. Let's wrap things up. Solo episodes, I was like, oh, this will only go for 20 minutes. And here we are for 46. Okay. Super coach, uh, the Sporting Woods Cup kicked off with the first round of head to heads. So we start with the gold bowl. Uh, boots and cats. Wow. Scenes here. I'm only looking at the league scores for the first time. They get the victory over the Mad Kents. I said Kents in the sibling rivalry. Boots and Cats, 1033 to 998. Another upset. The A bunch of Hunts, I said Hunts. They get the win over the Revolution Mendoza line. Uh, Benny G had, what, the fourth highest score, but loses in head-to-head. That's the beauty of head-to-head. Bunch of Hunts win the round, 1-2-2-0 to the Revolution, 1-1-4-9. Uh, the Coagulators, they beat the previous uh, top-of-the-table lead point scorer, Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo, uh, 1-0-1-9-8-5-2. Good victory there for me. Order is restored. Everyone can relax. FNQ Moonshiners get the victory over hashtag on the plonk. It was a magical run of two weeks, but Jimmy B, uh, his team comes crashing back to earth. 1182 to 997. Uh, a battle of the newcomer, newcomers. The worst 17. Andrew gets a victory over Killer Katana and a close one. 1174 to 1148. The big dogs. Wow, they just scraped through against Dogs of War, 928 to 923. And the Gummy Sharks, Wayne O, 902 against newcomer Avalanche, 894. So what does that look like for head to head? Well, not a lot. We've got the FNQ Moonshiners at the top of the table uh, with a bunch of hunts, the worst 17, the pig dogs, coagulators, boots and cats, and gummy sharks rounds out the top seven there. So we go to total points. And again, we won't go through everyone. We'll just go through people that are in the top 20-ish thousand. FNQ Moonsiners, Juzzy T. Uh, he is leading overall 3071 for an overall rank of 4140. A bunch of hunts, I said hunt in its second place, 3044 for an overall rank of 5892. Killer Katana, 2974 with an overall rank of 12,976. And there he is. He's had a good week. The Revolution Mendoza line, again, order restored here in the Sporting with Supercoach Cup. Uh, 2920, the Revolution Mendoza line sits at 21,010. The Mad Kents fall way down, 23,000. And Jimmy B, massive drop. He's down to 30,000 as well. Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo, nowhere to be seen. All right, so let's go into the tipping. Um, I mean, had a conversation with this person earlier. Um, Juzzy T, the facial himself, he is languishing. Um, 
is the only way I could describe it. It last place in the Sporting Woods All-Star Tipping Comp, 10 points. Uh, hashtag ride or die. He did set his tips all at the start of the year. It has not worked out. He's on 11. Hanlum uh, is in a log jam with Dogs of War, Daddy Hackett, and Yun Sang, cousin of uh, Sun Yang, all on 13 points. Um, the sixth captain and Wolverine um, are locked in a tie for fourth on 14. Um, Medicine Balls and hashtag CWA 10% minimum wage increase. Um, they're tied for second um, on 15 points. And that lead has come down to one. Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo, he's bottom of Supercoach, top of... Um, the tipping 16 points for now. He had the worst round of the week, three points. All right. Tipping and super coach out of the way, which means it's time for this. You think you know me? Okay, it's Sweezy's time. A moment in BDE history, March 29, 2015. Australia wins its fifth World Cup after a dominant victory against New Zealand at the MCG. The moment came on the third ball of the match. Mitchell Stark, with one of the all-time great in-swinging Yorkers against Brendan McCullum, knocks him over. They may as well have stopped the game there. Um, That was the... Matchup everyone wanted to see. What an incredible World Cup. Um, so, some really great matches. The both, um, uh, both semifinals came down to the wire. The New Zealand versus, um, South Africa, Grant Elliott hitting the winning runs at Eden Park there. One of the greatest one day matches I've ever played witness to. Um, in the regular, in the, in the pool match, the Australia versus New Zealand at Eden Park. What a, what a wild, Match. It only lasted like three hours, but Jesus, packed a punch. Um, Michael Clark rode out into the sunset allegations that he got out on purpose so he can get a standing ovation. I'll let you um, decide whether or not that is true. Um, Mitchell Stark takes um, player of the tournament. I think if New Zealand won, I think Brendan McCullum would have taken player of the tournament. Um, that's how important those two players were to their teams throughout that. Um, six weeks so yeah great great to see that pop up on uh, a moment in BDE history for me to discuss tonight all right one point it's got to go to the hat-trick hero in the Queensland derby Jeremiah Nanai um (coughs) oh pardon me get a rat um three tries in the derby what what else can you do for this kid uh Relative unknown, um, got a lot of clubs chasing him. Um, I can't remember if he's off contract at the end of this year or next year. Either way, I think there's at least half a dozen teams trying to get him. Um, had a shocker last week or the week before. Uh, I think it was last week. Just really ineffective with his tackles. Um, so something to work on, obviously. But score three tries against the Broncos um, in the Queensland derby and just absolutely daddy dick. Um, Brisbane at home. Uh, it was great to witness in person. So good on the young fella. Now, speaking of Daddy Dick, it was a shame. I think any other week this guy would have got three points. Um, but Ray Stone, uh, out of nowhere, and I mentioned it before, two of the arsiest tries you'll ever see, about five ricochets off the one uh, with about, what, 10 to go um, to put them in front. Um what else can you say? That's just pure luck, but you got to be there. And then the field goal, hitting the post. He's the only guy running through. Yes, it hits the post in the right position. And, you know, if it literally went a meter either side, Hughes could have pretty much run the whole field and scored. I, You know, that was still a realm of possibility. Um he picks up the ball, does his ACL while falling to the line. Uh, two tries for Raystone. He's off to the Dolphins next year. Um, gets Parramatta uh, uh unlikely victory against the Storm uh, there. And that will be his final moment in Eels Colors. What a way to go out, Raystone. Three points. It cannot go to any other person 
a moment in Australian sporting history we will never witness again. Um, the way the game's been played, you know, we obviously we don't have an Australian correspondent here, an Australian rules football correspondent, but with with the nature of the midfield and and um, zone defense and stacking it back and what, whatever that the flood bringing the flood in and all that sort of stuff. The art of the full forward and the center half forward has really gone by the wayside. Um, Lance Franklin, three points, a thousand goals. What a moment! Uh, watching that live um, after the Roosters uh, South game, seeing him kick the goal, seeing the people um, roam the field. Um, an, an incredible moment, and obviously in these times of, you know, um, COVID for a start, and let alone you know public liability issues and all that sort of gear um, that we live in a more sensitive environment. To see people actually get around it, there were more people on the field than were in the stadium by the end. Um, they stopped the game for fifty five minutes. I think it was. It was an incredible moment. I I didn't know if they were going to cancel the game and just call it because they were down by like forty five or something like that. Um, with five minutes to go. But do you, do you quit? You know what I mean? Do you want to be the team that just like concedes defeat? Um, so I understand both sides of the argument there. Um, yeah, I, I was just blown away by it. Like not, not that I was getting emotional or anything like that, but it was just not, it was, it was just good to have that feeling of like, this is going to be something that we will never see again. And I was able to watch it live. Um, you know, obviously wasn't there and could could sort of live in the in the glory, but that's the beauty of television these days is you can essentially feel like you're on the ground. Um, uh, interesting tidbit: Patrick Dangerfield, who's one of the high ranking guys in the AFL Players Association, came out and said that he didn't say it was a disgrace, but he said it was um, incredibly dangerous and you know should never happen again and we've got to protect the players and then that's immediately juxtaposed by Lance Franklin being like that was the best moment of my life and I, I'm so thankful that everyone came you know out and ran on the field and you know got around me and all that sort of stuff so bit of sour grapes there but I understand that Patrick Dangerfield's got to look after the players but this will never happen again, obviously. So, like, we've got to embrace it for what it is. Um, and obviously, there's people out there who have got the phones out and are just complete disregard for anyone else but themselves trying to get their one second of fame and all that sort of stuff. I understand that. But, uh, yeah, like I said, this will never happen again. Lance Franklin, three points. Nomination for three-point wonder of the year in the Sweezies. Uh Last segment, I don't have the music. I'm sorry. So we're just going to have to do a little bit of acapella. Um, I'll do the first one. You guys obviously do the second one in the car or on the bus or anything like that. So here we go. It's a spicy matchup sponsored by Sriracha. So... Sriracha. All right, your turn. Yeah, there you go. Nice. I like the harmonies there. All right, it's a spicy matchup sponsored by Sriracha. I have foregone the American correspondent, but he has come with the spicy matchup this week. It is Duke versus North Carolina in the final four. Yes, that's right. March Madness has reached its peak, its finale. Um, it is the final four, and we have four of the Blue Bloods, the traditional successful teams, battling it out for national title supremacy. Highlighted by Duke, North Carolina, they are... Uh, colleges, very high-profile basketball colleges, 13 miles apart. One of the longest-standing rivalries in the history of college sports. Um, coach Mike Krzyzewski, is, it's, it's his last year as coach of Duke after 40-plus years as a head coach. Um, these two teams have never played in the NCAA tournament. They have never played each other. Out of all the games that they've had together, out of all the classic moments... These two teams have never played each other in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to do it in a Final Four. Can North Carolina, the the arch rival of Duke University, take out Coach K um, one last time? They beat them um, at Duke uh, in the regular season, in the last match of the regular season. Can they do it again? Something tells me the Dukies might 
um, be going all the way and riding Coach K into the sunset. Wouldn't that be a moment? But don't forget... University of the podcast, Villanova University, they have made it through. They are on the other side of the bracket in the Final Four. They take on Kansas University, who look red hot um, in their Elite Eight matchup. Villanova has lost their second best player, Justin Moore, to a torn Achilles. So I think the magical run has has, finished. Finished. I don't think Villanova can get over Kansas without more. It just leaves them too thin. Um, but Coach Wright, uh, he he knows how to game plan. And last two times Villanova have played Kansas uh, in the NCAA tournament, they have not only won the match but gone on to win the national championship. Um, I have been staunch throughout this uh, last month, Villanova, no matter what, online sports betting companies get around it. They will, will be the underdogs out of the four teams, I think, now that Moore's injured. Um, I hope for a Villanova-Duke um, national championship match and hopefully the boys can get over the Dukies and win their third national championship in the last six years. Villanova, no matter what. Pound it, pound it, pound it, and don't blame me when we lose to Kansas, okay? Villanova, no matter what. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Solo Ep, Sporting Woods, episode 167. Thanks for sticking around. Um, hopefully, the boys will be back next week. I'm not too sure if Luke's doing another stunt uh, for lifeblood.com.au, but head over to the website, take the bloody oath. Um, please and thank you. It is greatly appreciated. We, we do joke about it, but it is a serious issue. Um, so really, if you do have the time and you're willing and you're able, please, lifeblood.com.au, take the bloody oath. Um, congratulations to Ash Barty, Brayson Astor. You're still a flog. Enjoy March Madness. We'll see you next week, Sporting Woods.